1: Arsenic, aluminum, selenium, and hydrogen, and oxygen, and nitrogen, and rhenium, and nickel, neodymium, neptunium, germanium, and iron, americium, ruthenium, uranium, europium, zirconium, lutetium, vanadium, and lanthanum, and osmium, and astatine, and radium, and gold, protactinium, and indium, and gallium. <laughs> and iodine and thorium and thulium and thallium. You're listening to Radio Kidnappers, the voice of Hawke's Bay, and I'm Lynn Trafford presenting Hawke's Bay Scientists on Air on behalf of the Hawke's Bay branch of the Royal Society, T. R. Parangi. This program is your opportunity to meet practicing and recently retired scientists from around the bay. With me in the studio today is Sandra Chambers, who was originally from La Hutt and has been in Hawke's Bay since her intermediate school years. I think we can claim her as a Hawke's Bay scientist. Originally trained as a laboratory assistant at Napier Hospital, Sandra Chambers started her work in the food industry with J Wattie Foods Limited in 1989. This was to begin a career in research and product development on some of New Zealand's most iconic food brands. Of recent times, Sandra Chambers has moved her years of food R&D skills to pet food, joining the Hawke's Bay Pet Food Specialist Animals Like Us. Let's meet Sandra Chambers and hear how a Stokes Valley girl became an R&D food specialist here in Hawke's Bay. Hello, Sandra. Hello, Lynn. It's lovely to have you with us here this morning. Now, as I said, you're from Stokes Valley, but you were born in... Lower Hutt? Yes, yes. Lower Hutt. What school did you go to for your primary schooling? I went to
0: a wee school called Tuff High School. It was oh, a okay. very small primary school. Ooh, good. And then up here you come to the bay to where? Tehradau Primary for six months. Yes. And, and then on to Tehradau
1: Intermediate and Tehradau High School. Was there a time when you were at school, somewhere around about a sort of senior school, I suppose, high school age, where you actually thought science... Maybe I can get a living out of science. Maybe I should study science. Maybe I should work in science. Was there something that made you want to work in a laboratory? I think it
0: was just all of high school science, really. I sort of got hooked in Form 3, as they called it then, um, and just just really enjoyed all the aspects of science. I think probably physics a little bit less than biology and chemistry. Um, So then pursued biology and chemistry right through to To my end of my schooling, and then went on some work experience days that kind of cemented the fact that science was where I was going.
1: Yeah. yeah, It's good when you know, isn't it? It must be de- terribly sad to be a school child and not actually know when you get to the sixth or seventh form what you're actually going to do with your life. I yeah, exactly. can't imagine that. Anyway, it didn't happen to you. Chemistry and biology. And from school, off you go to work in a laboratory at our hospital. What happens? What were you doing? Um, so
0: I was in the haematology department, which is really the area where they look at blood cells. So we would do um, ward rounds and collect blood off patients, so a qualified phlebotomist, <laughs> as they call it, um, and then we would test the blood for just general screening and then um, record the results and report them back to the doctors. So it was a fairly lab routine job, um, but got interesting when somebody had something a bit more different or or um, interesting to look at. Yeah, and I'm sure yeah, so. Yeah, 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 and I was an assistant, so I was just sort of
1: helping out the technologists. A good foundation for you though, a good building block upon which to start your career I would think. Absolutely. You couldn't yeah. go wrong with with a start like that really no, could you? No no, no. 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 Lucky. So you do about 4 years working in the laboratory at the hospital in Napier and then you got a job with our, one of our pet companies I suppose here in Hawke's Bay really J. Wattie Foods Limited as it was called then. What was your role when you started with
0: Watties? So my first role there was actually testing tomatoes, so from one red fluid to another.
1: (laughs) I know, I think that's really very funny, but you've probably got to have a warped sense of humour to think that moving from blood to tomatoes is funny, but
0: I agree, I think it is. It was, it was, and so I spent a few months testing the tomatoes during the season just for the quality purposes, and then obviously they must have seen some potential because I moved into product
1: development quite quickly. Alright, so the testing of the tomatoes, were you testing any other products or was it all tomato, is that what was happening at that time so um, to
0: speak? As well as the tomatoes there were some peach varieties that we were looking at, some new ones, um, new apple varieties, so there was a okay. little bit of that experimentation as to what would process nicely, yeah. uh, that kind of continued
1: throughout my body's career into corn was it a fond time for you? Do, you? do you look back on it and think, actually, it was a nice start to m- working at Watties? Definitely, yes. I worked with some really, really nice people
0: in the beginning. There were only four of us in the team. Yeah. And we just got on really well, and we just worked, worked together as a team, and it was a really nice culture to be in, the whole, the whole company. All right. Then,
1: as you say, in about 1992, they moved you into product development. I think that sounds a bit of a sexy sell, Sandra. It's uh, without all these new products coming on stream, a company doesn't always survive, does it? So product development. What sorts of new things were you looking at, at what is at this time, early 1990s?
0: So my very first project was to extend our baked bean range. And um, growing up as a kid, I used to eat cold baked bean sandwiches, so kind of a bit of a baked bean fan. Uh, The range was chilli beans, beans and bacon, pepperoni beans and homestyle beans. I believe two of those products are still on the market
1: today. Yes, they are, aren't they? Yes, yes yeah, they are. And, and you see them in every supermarket shop, so they must have been a very good development at the beginning of the 1990s. And I think as a consumer, we forget when these things come on stream, don't we? We sometimes know they've not been there forever, but we kind of forget when it actually happened. But I think, I think, too, we don't think about how it's
0: made, and that was one of the things no. that struck me when I started at Watties was, oh, I never thought about how they made it. That's and well, to me, They that's, just end up in a tin. <laughs> yeah, and that's very exciting to me. I love those food programs
1: on TV when you get to see how things are made. <laughs> there was quite a lot of work as well with jam. What were we looking at with jam development at that time?
0: So not long after Heinz bought Watties, they bought um, the Craig's Jam business, and so that moved down to Hawke's Bay into the old Timoana freezing works. So I was part of the first lot of people who worked on those products, bringing those products from Auckland down to Hawke's Bay and starting to fill up that factory that's um, really full now full of different products. So I was involved in matching the products to make them in Hawke's Bay, looking for ingredients making sure that when we put all the equipment in that it still worked the way it should and the jam set which is kind of the, jam is, is a bit of an art as well as a science, so there's all the science that makes the jam set but there's also a bit of an art form in making sure that It often doesn't work how you think it's going to. And it's got to look good too, doesn't it? Oh, absolutely. It's got to look good. It's got to smell good. You can't have all the seeds or the peel at the top of the jar. It's got to be from top to bottom. It does. So they were some of the challenges that we faced
1: when we did the um, transfer of the jam. And again, that is something else that's worked forever and a day, has not it? We're still buying these products in the supermarkets again today. So good products for a local business to get involved in. You moved on to thermal process technology. What is thermal process technology and why did we need this kind of technology?
0: So all the products that that go through um, the factory in cans and pouches, they need to be sterilised so they're safe for people to eat. So the, we, so the thermal process technologist is responsible for developing that heat process that makes sure that the all the bugs that are naturally present in the product are killed and can't survive. So that's a, it was a maths almost more of a maths-type role as well as a bit of science. Um, it was just another string to my bio. I wanted to do something a bit different for a while, so I just moved into the area of t- checking and checking the products were safely processed and that we were developing products that had the safe process.
1: Were you learning all this on-site here in Hawke's Bay, or or did you have to go away for more learning as regards this? Yes, I did a qualification called an an approved
0: person, (laughs) and and I had to go to Sydney for that to do that. It was a week-long course, so I got to go over to Australia to Richmond University and meet a whole lot of other people who were also working in similar industries and for the government in Australia as well who had to do the course.
1: That's another way you learn isn't it by meeting others that are doing similar kinds of things and bleeding their knowledge from them.
0: Absolutely and getting to understand you know where the Australian quarantine service were coming from when they were asking for the information they asked us for for the products we were exporting. So it kind of gave you an understanding of where people were coming
1: from and what they needed. Yes, you also told me off-air that you had a visit from some personnel from the UK who had come out here to have a look at what we were doing here. Why is it important to have these kinds of visits? So we had um, the UK thermal process experts
0: come out from Heinz, and they just sort of came out and had a look at all of our our systems and our procedures and, and sort of challenge us on, have you looked at this recently? Do you think it'd be a good idea if you tried that? You know, this if you tried this, it'll make your process, maybe make your process um, more efficient. Just, just, so it's just learning off other experts. You just pick up that valuable information that you wouldn't have got on your own and being challenged as to, is that the best way you can do that? You know, you know. Just have you thought of this? Have you thought of that? Obviously, I can't talk about it too much because
1: some of it's confidential. No, but I, I understand yeah, that, yeah. but it's all about the methodologies, isn't it? Really, and yes. getting them right. Yeah, yeah, and just getting that expert perspective because they've been
0: in business way longer than what you know. They've been in the in the business longer than we have. Yeah.
1: So, I mean, with products that you're either putting in tins or you're freeze drying or however else these days, popping in in, in a sort of flexible pouch as well. If, if it's not going to live properly in these containers, you c- you can't do it, can you? So all this that you're working on is absolutely essential to get it right. Yes. And as you say, the consumer doesn't think about it until something goes wrong. Correct. And then mm-hmm. everyone is up in arms, aren't absolutely. they, really? Yeah, it's no, yeah. awful when something goes wrong. <laughs> At some stage, they promoted you into a role as research and development manager for Heinz Wattie's Australasia. That sounds to me like a really big role with a lot of responsibility. What things did you enjoy about this kind of role? So I was part of quite a big
0: team. There was, as I said earlier, we were we started as a team of four. By the time we got to this stage in my career, there was a team of 40. So we had six Six R and D managers, of which I was one, and I think the thing that I most enjoyed about my time as an R and D manager was the mentoring I got to do with the young people. So my manager at the time, who um, he was a fantastic mentor, he said to me one day, "So, what kind of job? What, what would be your ideal job?" I said, oh, let me think about it." So I came back with what I'd really like to be: the person who trains the young, te- helps train the young technologists, you know, so that they do things the right way. I'd like to be someone who just takes care of the supporting of the team So I was able to form a team where I was sort of doing some of the training I was doing looking at some of the systems and processes how we, about how we did things And also the team also did um, the artwork, the technical information for the artwork So what goes on the ingredient lists and what goes on to the nutrition panel What kind of claims we could make and then also we looked after the sensory evaluation to make sure that baked beans taste the same today as they do, you know, in three weeks' time. as It's really six important, month's time.
1: isn't it? It's yep. got to be like, smell good, look good, taste good, always. Yes. Yep. No matter when you open the tin or the pouch or the yep. freeze-dried yep. Yep. packet. Right to about. the best before date. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely, it does. You told me round about this time some other factories closed in Australia and Japan, and that brought a different kind of responsibility. Growth did it bring product development as well here, or was the closure of those factories simply because we had enough of other things in other places? Those
0: factories closed, and. Most of the products they made came into New Zealand. They did, yeah. okay. Yeah.
1: So we benefited. Did we grow watties in in Hawke's Bay or in Auckland as a result
0: of this? Yes, mostly in Hawke's Bay. So we pretty much filled up the Tamona factory. Oh,
1: okay. <laughs> and, um, moved with, all the tomatoes out and moved everything else in.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, well I, guess, I guess it was quite empty when it was first bought. And, we, <laughs> and then they brought in all the jams. Um, so there was a, a factory in Australia that closed We bought jams in We bought um, little sachets of sauce and dressings in Bottles of um, toppings Just yeah, and, then, and then filled up the King Street factory Even more than it already was With all the tomato sauce that was made in Australia
1: Did we make different kinds of products As a result of those factories closing down Or was it a different flavour of a same kind, so to speak. I'm not explaining it very well, but I'm really after we were, were we able to get some new stuff on the shelf. Yes, we were. We were yeah.
0: yeah. So the jam we bought in was made by a different process. So okay. that, that was that was a really big learning for the team to okay. bring we bought the equipment from Australia and we bought the learning. And so we had new ways of, of making products. Okay. We were now doing sauces and glass, which I don't think Watties has ever done. So that was a new learning as well, and we were doing some um, ice cream toppings, which was quite um, quite exciting
1: for us because they're quite tasty. Yeah, mm. oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> when you're bringing new people in, like, new products in like this, you must have to bring new kinds of skills to cope with it as well. If you're bringing a new machine from Australia and you're putting things in glass instead of whatever else you put them into previously... Did that require a different kind of person to come and help with this? Usually we would also get some of the staff who were involved
0: from the original factory oh, to come, okay. come over for a time and teach us what we needed to know. And then we're okay. Then we're okay. We, then we learn, we learn the skills. Um, and sometimes they would stay. A yeah. couple of them would stay. They'd be offered a role and they would stay and help for a period of time or for a longer time. And then, yeah, But we learn those skills and use them.
1: You had this role for about fifteen years. What things happened during that time that you look back at from your own personal growth and development? What, what happened to you in this time? I think I moved from a person who
0: developed products into more of a leader and a and a, and a mentor. Um, that's kind of where, that was at the time where I really what I really really enjoyed doing.
1: Good. There comes a time, as happens with all of us, when it's time to say goodbye to Watties. And for a wee period of time, you had a a time of self-employment. And then after that period of self-employment, you got another job that I think is rather fascinating. Greenmont Foods here in Hastings. Tell us a bit about this company. What is so special about them? This is a
0: Hawke's Bay-born company. It started its life as CSI Processors, and they basically started with peeling onions for for Watties. So um, that was 25 or so years ago. By the time I joined them, they'd moved on a bit. Um, They're still processing onions to this day. That's their core business. But they've moved on to cooking onions and freezing them for export and for local market. And while I was there um, in my R and D role, we actually put a new line in. It was quite new for the company and actually for me uh, to make vegetable, sort of vegetable croquette type products and vegetable patties. So this is a kind of exciting time for me because it was something quite new for me to develop, yeah, and also yeah. new technology for me to, put, to buy that the equipment. Was the
1: meat aspect of it really? Was that what was so different? for you? Well, because it was a, they were all
0: vegetable products and the equipment we were looking at was equipment that would make meat balls and we were making vegetable balls.
1: Yeah. Oh, so, so we were I trying
0: see. to we were trying to use equipment that was used for meat to make a vegetable product.
1: And did that work well? In the end it did actually, I'm quite surprised. Yes. Yes. had to tweak it a bit and talk sternly to it on Wednesday mornings <laughs> or something or other. And other than that, it, you actually got it to work. Wh- Kiwis are innovative like this, yes. don't you think? Yes, definitely. Yeah, we yeah. we get these things to work. Tell me about the uh, the local market ratio to the export ratio. What happens with their food? So in the local
0: market, there's a lot of fresh onions that were going out to various customers around, mostly around the North Island, and then the frozen product. So it was probably a sixty percent fresh, forty percent. Frozen. Okay. That was leaving the leaving the doors.
1: And how much of that went overseas, or was it all within New
0: Zealand? No, we had we um, exporting products to Australia and to Japan. Probably twenty percent of our products would be exported. Okay, mm. that's
1: good. Yeah. yeah, and growing. Yeah and growing. So this particular company, are they, I know Onions is the foundation upon which the company was built, but what other new things are being put into the mix as we speak really, as of today? What is happening that might be new and different for them in their chain? It's probably that
0: expansion of value adding, adding value to, to vegetables, and, and also the real food. So the idea is that we're not Making products that are full of additives and preservatives. We're making products that are made from real vegetables and, you know, an ingredient list that you'd find in your pantry.
1: This is important to us as consumers today, isn't it? Everybody is looking for the uh, as less processing as possible, as natural as possible, maybe even throwing organic into the mix there somewhere. As consumers, we've come a little bit more picky about we, what we want with our food. Absolutely. Haven't we? Absolutely. So to a company like this, Greenmount Foods, how do they take on that requirement from a consumer? What happens when they decide to perhaps put carrots in where they didn't have carrots or what? How does it work? With, the, with Greenmount, most of the
0: developments are customer-led. So a customer would come and say, I would like this. You know, yep. Yeah, And we would then go, okay, how do we do it? And then do it
1: <laughs> Yeah, I, it also Surprises me that we continue To have enough raw product Because I'm presuming most of the Raw product is coming from Hawke's Bay, is it? Or do yes. I presume That wrong? No, correct, yeah All the, all the onions are from Hawke's
0: Bay, carrots From um, Pukakoi, Yeah, and, and potatoes from That They're, they're bigger, big three crops But most of the onion, mostly onions are from Hawke's Bay
1: Because they they grow a lot up in Pukitapu as well, don't they? Where do we grow onions? Where do we grow all these? Well, just
0: around, just drive around. They're Twyford, um, Miani, yeah, Yeah. Pukitapu.
1: Where there's not apple trees, there's onions.
0: Absolutely, yeah.
1: All Right. Do we plant different kinds of things because we we can't just if a customer comes to you and says I want to do something or other with broccoli you can't just do that tomorrow can you, you somebody Not has to supply it. Co- yeah, yeah, correct the so broccoli. there's to be a
0: planning process okay. for crop forecasting definitely so how long does that take really and onions take about six months to grow so you have to we, you have to be telling the grower what you want six but months if you're bringing you in a new
1: Product and it would take longer than six months, wouldn't it? Um, it depends. Someone on what, has to grow
0: it, I guess. Well, yeah, they have to have the, they have, to have the land to grow it on, yeah. and understand what your what volume you want them to grow for you, um, and then it depends how quickly it grows and who's already growing it.
1: Okay, and as far as yourself was concerned, during this time, what did you learn while you were working with them? Um, I was actually started there as a technical manager, so I learnt
0: more about quality than I had learnt before so I did a bit of that and also learnt that um, I could actually do things I didn't think I could do like put equipment in and make it work because <laughs> that's that learning your growth, I guess it was growing as a more, more on the engineering side that you know I could, I could find a piece of equipment and then understand, understand, the understand equipment. how it would work and, what, yeah. and why it didn't work when it didn't work
1: oh right I, I can understand the need for that because if you can understand how something works, then you can understand what is capable of and then you can perhaps more put a different kind of product or more product in there because you're understanding what yes. the machine can actually do Absolutely. rather than what you think it might be able to yeah. do. Yes, yes quite different. There comes a time when it's time to move on and as I said in my intro, you move from people food, which has been your whole life or your career to working with pet food. You'd be, you join at the beginning of 2020, you become R&D manager for animals like us. What is the difference between working on pet food as opposed to people food, or is there none? There's a little bit of a
0: difference, but... As we say, animals like us, they're part of our family And therefore they need to eat good food too Which is our philosophy So I moved from a real food, people food company To a real food, pet food company And and our pet food is designed around a raw concept So it's a mix of um, raw, freeze-dried meat and organs And really good quality oven-baked bites So the pet food part is all about the nutrition And making sure, because that's the only thing animals eat They only eat what you give them, therefore we've got to make sure that that food is complete and balanced so that if that's all they eat, then they've got everything they need to, to be happy and grow.
1: Yeah, so really uh, from a, a, a philosophical point of view, if you like, there isn't a difference. It's not there's not. not a difference from your point of view you're just wor- working with do you get to see the animals I, I was just going to say you're working with lovely animals but do you get to see them or do you never see them um well i've got my own animals so i get to see those oh. yeah and we get to see our, our our colleagues
0: we get to meet their animals with, okay yeah
1: do you have a testing panel of animals
0: we have used a panel at Massey. Massey University have a feline unit and a canine unit, and we yes. we have access to that to test our food on the cats and dogs down there to make sure that they like it, which they do, thankfully.
1: <laughs> well, you wouldn't be marketing it if it wasn't going to be enjoyable to the animals, correct? Yeah, yeah, so that's part of our process is
0: to make sure that cats and dogs are going to eat our products.
1: Very important. Of course, thank you. Sandra Chambers, R&D Food Scientist with Animals Like Us. Thank you for being my guest on Hawke's Bay Scientist On Air. There is much online pertaining to the companies and products Sandra and I have discussed today. Watties, of course, one of our most iconic Hawke's Bay companies has a proud history easily found online. It is also easy to find Greenmont Foods and Animals Like Us online and read their story. The Hawke's Bay branch of the Royal Society continues to present monthly lectures in the bay please check out the schedule online please join me every monday morning at 9 30 to meet another practicing or recently retired scientist from around the bay be i'm the at lynn trafford the has come to and there may be many others but they haven't been discovered <laughs>